Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your daily podcast covering all things Cardinals baseball. My name is Jeff Jones, joined this afternoon by Brendan Schaefer. Brendan, what a fun 18 hours against the White Sox that was. Yeah, it's it's nice to uh, to sweep a series against a bad team. One of the easier sweeps, I, I guess at the same time an easier sweep and a more difficult sweep because like by the skin of their teeth did they sweep this series, but uh, all the wins count the same, and a couple of three-two victories for the Cardinals at Busch Stadium uh, the last couple of days. Yeah, it was a it was certainly a quick series. You had the evening game on Tuesday, then a twelve fifteen start today. Seemed like the White Sox barely had time to even be in town. But yeah, as you mentioned, a couple back to back three two victories uh, highlighted today at least by the performance the Cardinals got out of Carlos Martinez. Martinez was seven and a third, uh, only one run allowed on five hits, and looked every bit like the ace the Cardinals expect him to be. Perhaps more importantly, or at least more exciting, also hit his first career home run uh, for the Cardinals' first run to get them on the board there in the sixth inning. Lucas Giolito, pitching for the White Sox, had faced the minimum through five and two-thirds, and then Carlos Martinez parks the ball in the left center field bleachers. Uh, Brendan, I guess let's, let's, let's start with that. How much did you enjoy the very, very long trot around the bases from Carlos Martinez? Well, and and he's been in the league now like five or six years, however long it's been. And before the season, I was looking up some stats because I wanted to do some predictions and predicted that Carlos Martinez would get his first major league home run this season because I, before before having looked it up uh, back in March, I don't think I could have told you that he had never had one just because he's he's always seems like an athletic guy and a guy that can can hit the ball. So I I, I don't doubt that he enjoyed soaking up every bit of that one uh, because it took him quite a few years to actually get it. Not only was that Martinez's first major league home run, he said after the game that it was his first home run of any kind in his life. That's and remarkable. <laughs> the last, the last player in the major leagues named Carlos Martinez to hit a home run was Jose Martinez's father in 1995, off of former Cardinals pitching coach Derek Lilliquist. There's a lot. There's a lot to get to on that, and I'm enjoying every bit of it. Yeah, it was. It was certainly entertaining to see the uh, the nice slow jog around the bases, the full conga line, and then in case you were curious, uh, Dexter Fowler. It turns out is who takes over the water cup splashing responsibilities when Carlos Martinez is not available to splash the water in the face of the player who just hit the home run because he was the player who hit the home run. Now, what do we know about that? Have they been doing the, the water splashing during other home runs this season, or has it just been the conga line? So I think the water splashing has by and large been retired, uh, but, but my understanding is that because it was Carlos that his teammates were not about to let him get oh, off yeah. scot-free without the water being thrown in his face because he was he was such a driver of that particular celebration, and so Dexter Fowler was there waiting. Martinez did say after the game that you know he had, he had always he, he told his teammates he was going to get one, he was going to get one, and they told him that they would be there to, to celebrate with him when he did, and so they did this afternoon. Yeah, see, now what's your opinion on that? Because, and it's great, though, that Carlos finally got the opportunity to kind of enjoy the celebration that he made famous in St. Louis. I wish they still did that, though, and, and I, I know if it's kind of Carlos's thing, so if he's not the one to do it, I think, uh, or, or if he's not involved in some way, it might lose a little bit of its luster. As much as I like the conga line, I think the water splash was even cooler. What do you think about that? I, I enjoy the water splash a great deal. I'm not going to lie. I'm a fan. Uh 
The conga line to me, you know, not not as good. I agree, but I will say the one thing about the conga line is that it sort of brings in everyone as opposed to the water splash, which is uh, pretty pretty much just Carlos, I think, right? Am I missing? Unless I'm missing a component of the no, water I splash. Think, no, I think you're kind of right. It, it does the inclusive nature of the celebration does uh, it does more for team chemistry. So I'll give you that one. See, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll take the conga line, but I, I think more importantly today, uh, the Cardinals as a whole would take anything Carlos Martinez was going to contribute offensively because the team was, uh, they were slow getting going against Giolito. However, as we mentioned, Dexter Fowler with a two-run home run in the seventh. Uh, this marks a couple of days in a row now when you had the walk-off on Tuesday night, uh, a rally that was started by a Matt Carpenter home run and then a Marcelo Zuna double off the wall before he was driven in by Yadier Molina. You're looking at Carpenter, you're looking at Ozuna, you're looking at Fowler as the three guys who really need to get going uh, if the Cardinals are going to uh, exceed expectations and have a successful season. And I think it's it's important that you've had those three guys be involved in key parts of the offense the last two days. Yeah, that's the biggest key of all keys right there because uh, and during last night's game, I'm looking up some of the stats and just kind of marveling and not in a good way at the statistics and the numbers from from that trio those three guys carpenter ozuna and fowler and just all three of them at points last night had their ops below 600 at the same time and that's i mean that's an extra level of bad and then of course last night carpenter and ozuna with their heroics in the ninth inning both uh, etched above that number and then dexter fowler gets the big home run today which his and Carlos Martinez, again, still, I think, a larger concern. That's the only offense you're able to come up with two days in a row against the White Sox is three runs. But the wins are continuing to pile up, and you have to be impressed with, you know, you consider the fact that these are the players that you expected to lead you, and these guys have not really done so by and large. And yet you're five games over 500 and in first place in the NL Central. So uh, just imagine if everything else can kind of hold serve. And, and this group of players can can kind of take off and get even close to their career norms. Uh, look out! This is going to be a team to to be reckoned with. And yeah, absolutely. Over the course of two days, to see those three kind of contribute in positive ways is huge, huge, huge for the Cardinals going forward. Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, that that Matt Carpenter last night after the game made it made a point of saying that he believes that this Cardinals team as currently constructed has the potential to be better than any Cardinals team that he's played on. And, and Matt Carpenter has been on technically two. T- technically Matt Carpenter was on a team that won the world series. I, I, I guess Matt Carpenter got a ring. He did get some at bats on the 2011 team, but was on the 2013 team that won the world series was on a team that won a hundred games. And, and so it is interesting, I think, uh, that Matt Carpenter would be so committed to the idea that this Cardinals team could be the best that he's been on. And Yadier Molina was vehement in agreeing with that. And when Mike Matheny was asked about it, he said that he thought it could be the same way. Now, some of that is bound to be just positivity at the start of the season, but it is, I think, really interesting. Uh, and when we talked about this here, when you look at the names, at least, that are playing for the Cardinals right now, there's a lot to look at that 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 could look like a really strong team moving forward. And then the names that you don't really expect or you didn't expect going in, like a Bud Norris who picks up his sixth save today uh, of this young season and has really kind of cemented himself as the closer for this team for the for the time being, anyway. Uh, and and a Miles Michaelis who you know not a big name coming into the season, but you can start to see through a month how his role can develop and, and really aid this team. Like those are the, the kind of the complementary players that 
this Cardinal team has, and if, if the stars or the, the big names can can kind of bring their game around to, to full circle, yeah, I think this team is going to be very interesting. Before the season, I said I, I think it was 87 or 88 wins that I picked them for. And, and right now, considering they're, they're five games above 500, I don't know what the pace is exactly that they're on, but it's pretty good, and we haven't seen the full capabilities of this team. And so as long as other elements that have been fine, like the starting pitching has been pretty good, as long as that doesn't fall off as the offense kind of makes its rise, I, I do think there's potential for a, a ceiling that was higher than I thought when the season started. Like I could have said, yeah, you could sneak into the nineties if like in a best case scenario, maybe win 94 or 95. I mean, this team could go beyond that if everything were to break right, which sounds kind of crazy uh, when you look at what's going on at some parts of this lineup. But I, I do think that's the case. Is it likely to happen? No, but yeah, I think this team best case scenario could be as good as any of those teams when you look at individually all these guys that we've kind of wondered about if they take that step forward it's possible yeah you know you mentioned bud norris as part of that and then you mentioned that he got his sixth save here today uh and and shut the white Sox down four up four down and bud norris to me represents a really intriguing possibility because the cardinals you know we heard so much throughout the entirety of spring about the challenges that they were going to have at the back end of their bullpen and we heard so much about how much mike Matheny preferred uh to have a consistent and reliable guy to take the ball in the ninth inning and so you end up with the cardinals signing greg holland at the end of spring training and thus far uh in the two real opportunities as the quote-unquote closer that Holland has had, he's looked really bad in those opportunities, whereas Bud Norris, 6-for-6, six six, and has been uh, a massively stabilizing force at the back end of that bullpen. You know, the, the, the joke, I think, when the Cardinals signed Norris was that it was a response to the Cubs signing you Darvish because it happened on a Monday after the Cubs had signed Darvish over the weekend. Uh, if you look at, I think, you know, obviously we're very, very early into the season and very early into that Darvish contract. But I think if you look at the two, the Cardinals have to be a hell of a lot happier with their purchase and the Cubs are with theirs. Yeah. And, and again, I, I kind of get what you're saying too with that, because at the time that was, uh, kind of another extra element that kind of miffed Cardinal fans about the Bud Norris deal, because really at the time it was announced, it was like, is he going to be a starter? Like, is he, is he rotation depth or are they going to throw him in the bullpen? It's just another arm to, you know, the, the, the plan the whole time was to throw arms at that bullpen, but like Bud Norris, yeah, I know he closed some games last year, but really back end and, and the, the jabs coming right on the heels of the U Darvish signing were readily available and they, they made sense. And, we all made them, and I think I retweeted one of my own tweets, kind of poking fun at myself for not, you know, recognizing what the Cardinals were getting in Bud Norris. Uh, it's it's a, a miracle. I mean, what he's been able to do is fantastic. He certainly believed in himself the whole way, and you talk during spring training, he thought he was going to come in here and be the closer, uh, even if many other people didn't see it at the time. It's certainly uh, his job at this point. And, and for the Cardinals, I think, to, to attain the success they'd like to, Greg Holland is going to have to be a part of this mixture because, like you mentioned, Leon, a little bit of a rough day today, hasn't panned out quite the way that I thought he would. See, I was a little more excited about Leon than I was Bud Norris coming yeah, into the season. And, and certainly at this point, that's not the way it's panned out. And so, you know, if Greg Holland can give you some meaningful innings, I don't really care which guy pitches the 8th or the ninth or the 7th. It doesn't really make a difference. But Norris certainly is a good building block for that bullpen. You'd like to see those other guys kind of come around. And, of course, it's May 2nd, so there's plenty of time for that to happen. But, yeah, just, just remarkable to consider uh, the, the Bud Norris journey over the last couple of months from 
signed, you know, late in spring training to, to little applause uh, to where he is now. As we as we talk about Bud Norris, we have to get into the uh, the big news from the clubhouse over the last two days. Uh, were you I and I and I'm it's you know it's hectic in their pregame and so you don't always see everyone. Were you in the clubhouse pregame yesterday and did you see the candle? I saw you tweeting about the candle and doing your hashtag journalism, but I was not aware of it before. Uh, seeing your tweet today. So, no. so, so definitely explain that for us. Yeah, so for the listeners, we'll describe the candle in question here. Uh, yesterday afternoon, the Cardinals have a have a chessboard in their clubhouse. That's been relatively uh, relatively well covered, I think. And on the chessboard, there was what appeared to be a, a jar candle. It smelled kind of earthy and musky. It smelled like a candle that a guy would buy and have in their apartment or whatever. The outside of the candle had had a, a picture of a woman that looked to me to be Victorian in nature, and half of her face was like, like down down the middle where there was there was a division in her face, uh, and there was a skull on the right side and, and the face on the left side. And so, um, you know, we're 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 looking at this candle and we're trying to figure out what exactly is is going on with it. Uh, it smelled nice. Today, you get to the clubhouse, and the candle has appeared again in Bud Norris's locker. So Bud's in, in, in the clubhouse, and we're talking to him and asking him about the candle, and he explained that the candle was there because the clubhouse smells bad. There's a there's there's a smell. You know, it's it's a locker room. Now and again, uh, it gets a smell. And he, he, he was talking about a conversation he had with Adam Wainwright earlier this season. Now, you may remember this conversation because Wainwright tweeted about it. He, told, he tweeted about a conversation with a then-nameless teammate that Bud today confirmed was him that the uh, the smell in question, according to Wainwright, was some combination of champagne and mildew that sets in after a big celebration and things dry kind of funky. And so uh, Bud Norris explained that since the candle was burning yesterday to bring some good smell in and the Cardinals won that game, they had to burn it again today, and so they did. And lo and behold, Cardinals get the win and Bud Norris is a big part of the game. I, I, I'd say all of this to say this. I was asking Bud about the candle and I uh, was asking where he bought it, and he he told me, and I honestly I don't remember the name of the place, but it's like an online boutique, and so I could look it up, and I went immediately and found the candle. Brendan, let me ask you this. Jar candle. How much do you think that candle is listed for on the website? Now, I can't verify what Bud paid for it. I have no idea, but the candle itself is listed on the website, and I tweeted it earlier. How much do you think that candle costs on the website? Okay, so I'm trying to think of like, and, and we do buy candles. I like uh, my wife and I both like to have some candles around. I also scents or what have you. I'm a big Yankee candle guy. I'm a fan. Yeah, so I'm thinking Yankee candle for those the the, the decent sized jar candles. I, I'm trying to think from there. Maybe one might be like thirty four ninety nine. So I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go a little higher just because you're asking the question and say like fifty bucks. One hundred and ninety-eight dollars was the candle. <laughs> that Bud For Norris a candle? I, I was I was honestly shocked. I don't know what the candle is. I I look, it's a neat looking jar, but the candle does not, as far as I can tell, appear to be made of a precious metal. Uh, it's a fine smelling candle. It apparently lasts for sixty hours. It's a nice piece of decor. One hundred and ninety-eight dollars for the jar candle. 
Well, and see, I was going to make a comment about the how long this candle might last and if, if it would be able to be replicated. Because obviously at this point, if it's burned two days in a row and the Cardinals have won both these games, th- this could turn into like a legitimate rally candle situation where the Cardinals rattle off like 14 in a row or something ridiculous and it becomes significant in this season. So I, I, I'm glad to hear that they're at least available online so that if this candle does run out, they'd be able to replenish it but I, I my only response to that is it really must be nice to be making ball player money because it's i can't true. imagine like i get upset when it's not like a two for 40 deal or something on candles and just say yeah forget about it i'm not gonna buy them today but man if you can drop 200 or you know whatever it is he paid on a candle that's not bad well as we as we get into minutiae here did you know that when players uh catch the first pitch in the pregame that there is compensation for that no way! I was, no way! I was what told. The, what do they get paid? I was told, I, not cash, but I was told they received gift cards, and the gift cards are generally in the neighborhood of two hundred and fifty dollars. That is unbelievable because it always seems like it's some, you know, random last guy on the roster kind of guy catching it, maybe yes. a reliever who is who pitched yesterday, and there's no way he's coming and, into the game. And my like, assumption... That might be why they want the eight-man bullpen, now that I consider it. Well, and my assumption was that down there. the reason that that happened was because the veterans didn't want to do it, uh, so they just forced a young guy to do it all of the time. That's it, ter- it It turns out that it is actually apparently a show of generosity that the players who are making more money allow the younger guys who are making comparatively less to do the catching and therefore get the moolah. So who pays for the gift cards? That like, I don't it, know. I think because I think about this gift card budget. If you're the, the the first pitch catcher for that day, there's you know 81 game 81 home games per season. You know, multiply that by conservatively a couple hundred bucks. Like that's a I, I, in the grand scheme of Major League Baseball, that's nothing. But it's enough to where I'm curious now. Well, of where that sixteen grand or whatever it is comes from. So at two hundred and fifty dollars a pop times eighty one games, that's twenty thousand two hundred and fifty one dollars in gift cards. Sorry, twenty thousand two fifty obviously in gift cards over the course of the season. I'll say this: my guess would be uh, having an idea of how the world of selling advertising works a little bit. That maybe a lot of those gift cards are received in trade. That maybe as part of the advertising, hey, sure, we'll put up your signage, whatever company. You have to write us a check for X amount and also give us Y amount in gift cards. I'm betting that that maybe is a is a big portion of that. That certainly could be the case. I can just imagine, though, like, and I don't know any of, you know, what the sponsors might be that would be given these gift cards off the top of my head. But just like Sam Tuivalala out there like, man, I really want some Raisin Canes. Come on, let right. me catch this first pitch today. I know that's what they got out there. Honestly, this just opens a new layer for me. I, I love it. I like the idea of like, because there's a big permanent Webster University sign in left field. I like the idea of John Brebbia catching a first pitch so he can pay for an online class and learn a new skill or a language from Webster. I can that. that seems yeah. like he'd be the guy to do that. All right. That's going to, that's going to wrap up. I think our conversation about uh, the, the, economics of the clubhouse uh we'll have a new podcast tomorrow to cover the upcoming series against the cubs obviously that's a big series uh i asked mike Matheny in the post game if he is now excited to uh to get fired up for a big weekend and he kind of laughed and kind of smirked and then he caught himself and gave me the every game is important answer but they're ready they're excited for the cubs to come to town and i think it's going to be uh it's going to be a big series this weekend 
And for my parting wisdom, I'd like to I'd like to just say I, I anticipate it being the case, but I hope Bush is rocking this weekend. Uh, it should be. It's the Cubs. It's a weekend series. The weather has finally gotten nice. Like I think we're going to see some some sellout crowds and some good baseball. But it's an important series. Every time you play the Cubs, uh, we 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 harp on it often and go back to their record against the Cubs being kind of their downfall last year. And so when you get them at home for a May series, when the weather is is hopefully going to be favorable. Uh, it's time to go get the job done. First place potentially on the line this weekend between the Cardinals and the Cubs. Brendan, thank you, sir, for hopping on and knocking this out for me today. All right, buddy. We'll talk tomorrow. For Brendan Schaefer, my name is Jeff Jones. Make sure you listen all weekend long. We'll be here all weekend where you're covering the St. Louis Cardinals. This is Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.